we are starting a new series. It's a three-week series because on Christmas, we're not going to have a service here. We're going to, our Christmas Eve service will be our service. And on Christmas, uh, we're going to do a couple things. Uh, we'll be with our families. But um, at 10 o'clock, when this service normally starts, I'll do a Facebook Live message. And it'll be kind of fun because you'll be able to interact with it. Uh, typically, um, we welcome our Facebook watchers now. Uh, I can't interact with them during a normal sermon, but uh, at 10 o'clock I'll go live and I'll share a message, a short message, and then we can interact together and I'll have some questions and you guys can type and do all that kind of stuff. So it'll be a little different thing, uh, but we're beginning this message called, the, this series called The Gift of Jesus. And you know, as we, especially in these days now, with, you know, with the new election and our, 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 our new president and all, all those things, uh, there's just a, an anxiety and angst. I mean, Christmas is already an anxious season for a lot of people. And uh, when I had asked who had gotten their Christmas shopping done, um, the, the usual culprits raised their hands, uh, all four of you. And then, of course, the rest probably got this pit in your stomach either of having to pay for presents, having to wrap presents, having to pick presents, having to go out and fight the traffic for presents, having to get trampled on at the stores and all this kind of stuff because in Christmas time, gifts are, 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 the, are the high point. I remember uh, my wife and I bought our first house when we were very young. We had no business buying the house, but we did, and I think we were 25 and my dad, God bless him. I love my dad. I love him dearly. Um, but he didn't really prepare me in the way of fixing things very well. Um, he lacked the tools. Uh, he, we hardly had any tools or they were all mismatched and weird. And he lacked the patience. And so when my dad would fix something, it wasn't like, hey, son, come here and let me show you how. I would just know he was fixing things based on what I heard coming from <laughs> the garage or the attic or wherever he was. And uh, we had this joke that every time he tried to fix something, he'd injure himself. Or uh, one time he was up in the attic and then in the kitchen, his foot just went right through the, the, the ceiling because he missed a, missed a board or whatever. And so I didn't have any um, experience. And so when I got into this house, I, I had no tools, no experience, um, and no money. So, but I couldn't afford to hire someone. So I had to go to Home Depot and learn how to do a lot of this stuff myself. So at Christmas time, all I would ask for is tools or a gift card to Home Depot. That's all I asked for, tools or a gift card to Home Depot. And so, um, so I could amass this war chest of tools so that I would be able to fix anything for free, which never works that way because I measure once, go to D Home Depot four times. That's my rule of thumb. And so, uh, so my brother-in-law shows up one Christmas with this box, and it is it is so heavy, I could barely lift it. It was about, it was about this big, and, uh, and he's just beaming. He's so excited uh, for this gift he's going to give me. And so in my mind, I thought it was filled with tools because that's specifically what I asked for, and it's the only thing I asked for. So I picked this thing up, and I set it on the table, and it's like, I'll bet he's just jam-packed it full of tools. 
screwdrivers, channel locks, vice grips, snips, a hammer, right? All this stuff, little crowbars and little witch watches and all this kind of different stuff in there. And it's just packed full. So I open it up and inside is just one tool. It's a vice. He bought me a vice. I was so ticked. Right? I'm like, seriously? Like, how about a screwdriver? Like, I need, what are you going to do with a vice? You can't, I can't fix anything with a vice. And so this vice is here. Plus, just, just pro tip, if you have a vice, you need an actual workbench, which I also <laughs> didn't have. So essentially, this vice goes into my garage, and I set it down on the floor, and, and, and I'm like, this is, this is a giant useless thing. As a matter of fact, I even have a picture of the vice that I'm putting up there, and that is the actual vice right there. That is, that is it. Um, and for those of you on Facebook, just picture a vice, okay? That's what it, that's what it is. So I have this vice for uh, a few months, and, and every time I see it, it's just, bu- it's just bugging me, right? Because I have a really good attitude when it comes to gifts. And um, <laughs> So I finally, I'm like, well, I guess if I have a vice, I might as well build a workbench. So I built my workbench. Uh, of course, I didn't have any tools to do that, but, um, but I had a vice. And so I get it done, and I put the vice on there, and I drill the holes, and I clamp it down there. And so good, at least it's off, off the floor. And then one day, I needed a vice. <laughs> and I had one. And my mind opened up to the world of vices. <laughs> And I started imagining all the things I can do with this vice. Because if you see it, it, it can rotate this way and it can swivel. And I start putting stuff in the vice. Like, I'd start going, wait, I can clamp things together to hold it when, when I'm gluing things. Like, of course, you guys are like, yeah, of course, that's what you do with the vice. I was new to the vice world, okay? Brand new. Um, okay, that was good. See, I caught it right before it came out. And now I'm putting it back in, what I was just going to say. That's good. First time for everything, okay? So I'm new to the vice world. And, uh, and so I start using it for everything. So two days ago, I'm building this. Um, my son has those sliding pocket doors for, uh, not pocket doors, but the sliding closet doors. And they're always falling off and getting in the way. So I'm building this barn door that you can kind of slide the whole thing over. Guess what I used all the time? My vice. I have used this thing, and every time I use it, I praise my brother-in-law's holy name. I say, I'm like, Dave, how did he know this is exactly what I would be needing for the whole rest of the time I own a house? Now, you say, why do you bring this up? Because what I want to talk about this morning and for the next few weeks is the gift of Jesus. That this particular gift... And some of you might, in the sound of my voice, might be at a place where even the word Jesus kind of makes you a little uncomfortable. You don't know if you believe the story. You don't know, uh, you know, is he really God and all this kind of stuff. You're just happy to be at church. My, My hope for the next few weeks is that if that's you, that maybe for the first time in your life, you might take a few steps closer to that gift, not even knowing in the beginning what he might be used for. You're just opening up your mind to the Jesus world, like I did in the vice world. Some of you, 
You know that gift. You know that gift intimately. You go to that gift all the time. You've experienced the grace of forgiveness through that gift of Jesus. My prayer for us in the next three weeks, if that's you, uh, is that you take a few steps closer. Maybe to rely on him more. Maybe there's something in your life that you're scared to give up or you're scared to um, maybe take a step of faith on. Maybe it's in something as like your finances or maybe it's in a relationship or whatever. And you sense him going, you can rely on me. You can rely on my word. And this next few weeks, you'll see this gift of Jesus that we have and just how powerful and how wonderful he is. So that's my prayer for us. And so uh, we're going to get started in the book of Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all gospels. They're, the main point of the gospels of all four of them is this, Jesus. The main point of all four gospels is the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And we learn two things every time we learn something about Jesus. The first thing is, every time you learn something about Jesus, you've learned something about God. So if Jesus showed compassion, God showed compassion. If Jesus healed, God healed. If Jesus got angry, God got angry. And so you get this picture of God in the flesh. What if God were one of us? Just, a, no, I won't quote the song, okay? But, but, but just God in the flesh. And so everything he does and every attitude he has and every way he deals with things, that, that's the way God would deal with that. The second thing we learn is what we should be looking like in our own lives. The term Christians just means little Christ. Our, the whole point of being a Christian is, number one, that you would have a relationship with your Heavenly Father, and number two, that your life would begin to be transformed, and so it looks more and more like Jesus. And so when we look at the Gospels, really what we're looking at is the life of Jesus. And so Matthew chapter 1 starts with this genealogy that was very important in fulfilling some prophecies, and so it just has a bunch of families name to show that Jesus was in the lineage of David, okay? And so they have that, and then here's what Matthew 1.18 says. Now, uh, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, which is just a hidden code word for you know, uh, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a couple things I wanted to point out here that's really cool. Um, to be pledged to be married to someone in this particular culture was to be married but without the intimacy. And so you would be, when you were betrothed or um, you were pledged, this is how it would work. Uh, there would be the, the family of the bridegroom, uh, of the groom, would pick out a girl for him, like shopping, okay? And, and so imagine, young ladies, that you're sitting there and... Um, you're just waiting for some family to show up and go, um, can, we, can, can we have her join our family, you know? And so for you, this would be a tense period because your dad would be the one who'd agree to this. 
Your dad would be the one to get, so, you, so at this particular time, you better have a good relationship with your dad, okay? Because he could place you wherever he wanted. It was, it was, it was fine. That was the thing. And so they, they'd come and they'd say, this is the wife I want. And they would come up with a bride price, okay? Now, look, I didn't come up with this stuff. I'm just telling you what it was like. So they come up with this bride price. So it's like, it's like selling a car, <laughs> Like, you know, my daughter, Audrey, she's married. She, she's been married for a year now. And it would, so Jack, her husband, like their parents would come to me and say, we want um, Audrey to be Jack's um, wife. And then I'd, I'd be like, well, you know, she's, uh, she's healthy, you know. Um, <laughs> she got a 4.0 in high school and, uh, you know, she's an athlete too. And so, and she's got a really good sense of humor, 22,000, okay. And then... Uh, and he'd be like, oh, we heard she broke her leg when she was 12. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, how did she know that? Did she walk with a limp or whatever? And she got a little scar when she hit her head. And he said that, you know, 18.5. Uh, you know, it's like, and you're going back and forth. And it's like, wow, like, did they really do that? Yes, they did. And then when they'd get married, the, the father would give a dowry, which would just get them started financially. And so it was just a different thing. But what I want you to see is that this was a very, very serious Thing to be pledged or to be betrothed, so much so that if you wanted to call it off, you had to go through formal divorce proceedings because you were husband and wife, but you just lived in separate homes. And sometimes this would go on for a year and a half. And so a lot of scholars think that um, Mary was between 16 and 18 at this time, but you could be betrothed at 13 or 14. And so this is where we find them. And she was found to be pregnant. In the law, that was adultery. And it was treated as adultery, and she should be taken out and stoned. This is how serious this is. And Matthew just says it out like it's, he doesn't explain it. He doesn't make excuses for it. He doesn't say, well, I know it sounds weird to be, uh, you know, to have the Holy Spirit do this, but I don't, I don't really know how it all works. He just says it as fact. You know why? Because it is fact. This is how Mary got pregnant. Somehow the Holy Spirit starts that process inside of Mary. Now watch this. Because Joseph was her husband, uh, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had him in mind to divorce her quietly. This is very, very sweet language for Joseph. Because Joseph is faithful to the law. He was trying to follow the law. He had a dilemma. And the dilemma was this. I think he really loved Mary. I think he really cared for her. And yet, she got pregnant. And as far as Joseph is concerned, and most of us is concerned, there's only one way that's going to happen, okay? And he knows it wasn't him. <laughs> so he's got this dilemma. He loves the law, and he needs to follow the law, but he has compassion for Mary, it sounds a lot like Jesus to me, where there's this holiness, but there's this compassion. It's not like the Pharisees who had the law, but had no compassion. As a matter of fact, Jesus many times would tell the, uh, the Pharisees, you tithe to the mint and dill and all these little spices, but you've forgotten the weightier things of the law, justice and mercy. And so uh, Joseph decides to do that. He has both gr grace and truth. And so that's what he decides. 
But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I don't know what that dream was like, but man, that would have been wacky. You have this preconceived idea of what is going on, and you're going through all the emotions of, of what it's like to have the person that was betrothed to you essentially cheat on you, and you're going through all that, but you're going, you know what, I'm not going to throw her under the bus, we're just going to do this quietly, we'll f- pretend it never happened, and all of a sudden you get this visit from an angel. And so that's what, that's what happens. He says, um, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. The Jewish name is Yeshua, and it just means Yahweh saves. Um, it's short for Joshua, okay? And it was a common name uh, back then. So if you, were, if you were, Yahweh is salvation, is Joshua, and then Yeshua is just short for that, Yahweh saves. And it's very, very awesome to me that that is the name God chose to name God. He could have named Jesus anything. He could have named him um, Yahweh rules, <laughs> or like, you know, Yahweh is power, or you guys are in trouble, or what, what, whatever. And here's, here's the name that God chose for God, Yeshua. Yahweh saves. This is the gift of Jesus. The gift of Jesus is the gift of salvation. The gift of Jesus is the gift of redemption. The gift of Jesus is the gift of um, freedom. It's the gift of peace. It's the gift that during this Christmas season allows us to be able to put aside all the chaos Put aside all the hectic stuff. Put aside all the things about finances and all that and just focus on the gift, the true gift, the gift of Yeshua, the gift of Jesus. And watch what he says. You'll name him Jesus because he will save his people from the Romans. <laughs> he will save the people from their circumstances. See, this, is, this was the absolute mindset of the Jewish people. They were God's chosen people, and now the Romans had occupied them. And so their number one job was to get a Messiah, and they could band together and drive out the Romans so that they could have their country back, and that there would be redemption through this Messiah. So this easily could have said from the Romans or whatever, but it's from your sins, because God knows and this angel knows that this is the thing that separates us from God, is our brokenness. And so we need some type of payment. And so he says, you're able to give him the name, uh, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And he goes in, he says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Now, uh, what he's going to do right now is quote the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah was written about 740 years before this actual thing took place. And so uh, the angel is quoting out of the book of Isaiah. And here's what he says. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And then in the Bible, it gives 
this definition of Emmanuel. And to me, when, when I was going through this whole process of the, the series of the gift of Jesus, this is the sweetest name. And we sang it this morning. God with us. That the God of the universe, in his, he's infinite. He's uh, omniscient. He knows all things. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's wise. He's gracious. This God chose to be with us in our skin. He's Emmanuel. This is the gift of Jesus. God with us. Now, let me just give you a little bit of historical perspective a little bit. So when this was written in Isaiah, what was going on was Israel was divided into two sections. Israel used to just be Israel, okay? And then um, after Solomon, Solomon had a son, and he jacked everything up, and it got divided into two, uh, two and that's a Greek term, by the way. It, got, it was in two sections, Israel on the north, and then Judah in the south, and they would war all the time. And so Israel was run by this king called Pekah, and, um, and um, uh, the south was Ahaz, okay? And so Pekah and this other king were going to go down and wipe, wipe them out and then take over. And so um, um, uh, Isaiah, I almost said Isaac, uh, Isaiah comes and, and goes to Ahaz and says this, listen, when the virgin has the baby, they're going to call it Emmanuel, and that's your sign that everything's going to be okay. Now, you say, why would Isaiah give him a prophecy that's going to be fulfilled after he dies, and that will be a sign to him? Because what most scholars think is two things happened. There was a, when he said the virgin... They both knew who that was. It was somebody within their household, within the king's household. And she got married, had a baby. They named it uh, Emmanuel, and that was the sign. And sure enough, two years later, Ahaz was uh, freed. That they, they had a big, um, the king that, that was going to go with Pekah got wiped out, and so it, he was saved. Now, think about this. This is why I bring this up. God, in his infinite wisdom, does this prophecy that prophesies to Ahaz right there and is answered within a two-year time, and then 740 years Jesus comes. That God who can do that is God with us. He's the one that fulfilled his own prophecies. Fantastic. God with us. Let me show you Psalm 130, 7 through 8, because this, we're going to see three other verses that just really give this richness to the idea that God is with us. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from their sins. See, the whole plan all along with God was God with us. That's been the plan. 
Not a far-off God that kind of winds everything up and watches it go and the earth spins and he's like, oh, yay, look at, look at what I did, right? It, it wasn't that. It wasn't just a God who's angry like a lot of the Greek gods were where, um, you know, you, you, everything would be fine, but if you offended him, oh, good gracious, go, you know. It was God with us. As a matter of fact, one of the earliest uh, re- historical stories of God was uh, Adam and Eve. And so Adam and Eve are in the garden. God creates the earth and then he tells humans to tend after it, to be good stewards of it, to look after it. And then it says that in the cool of the day, God was walking through the garden. God was walking amongst the people. It was God with them. And then their sin came and there was separation. And so God came up with the law. And the idea of the law was that they would, that, that there would be, in Leviticus it says that they would be his people and he would be their God. And he would be with them. It says this, I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. Leviticus 26, 12. That was the whole plan all along. And then uh, he, this was happening and God was their king. And they looked around and they saw that all the other nations had kings. And now they wanted a king because isn't it wise to do what everyone else does? I don't know, right? And this is just human nature. They have all these kings and armies and stuff like that. And we have this invisible being that, and, you know, and we hear them through prophets and things like that. And God warned them, don't, don't do that. You don't have to be like everyone else. When they were coming out of the desert, God was with them in a pillar of fire by night and a cloud that covered them by day and was with them in the tabernacle. God with us has been the plan all along. And then Jesus came. Truly, truly God with us. As a matter of fact, John 1.14 says this, And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That Jesus, the reason the gift of Jesus is so important better than any other gift we have, is because it's a representation. He's the representation of the heart of God. That in fact, God wants to have a relationship with you that is so personal and so real that it actually feels like he's with you. And when Jesus left, guess who shows up? The Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's always God with us. And we looked, we just spent uh, the last 12, 13 weeks in Acts talking about what it's like to have the Holy Spirit in a, in a community, a gathering, and to see what he would do. But it, that's been the plan all along. So why is this so important? Well, I want to read one other section of Scripture that gets this whole concept of Jesus coming from God into the form of man. It's found in Philippians, which was a book Um, basically a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church that had funded his ministry, and it was essentially a thank you letter. But in the midst of thanking them, we see all this rich theology about who God is and who Jesus is. 
He's talking about, um, he starts out, he's talking about things like, hey, don't look out for your own personal interests, but look out for the interests of others. You know, watch out for each other. Then he says this, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped or something to be held on to. Now, again, when we talk about these things, that we end up talking about the Trinity, and that, quite frankly, blows my mind, and I, I need to take an Advil, because it's just, it's just a difficult theology that you have this one God in three persons. But essentially, there was a time when all three persons, this one God, was in heaven um, and, and, and made this decision that he would take the form of a man, Now, he could have done this in any way. He could have shown up as a man. He could have shown up as a really buff man that was like 6'4 and just completely ripped. He could have shown up at any point in history. He could have shown up riding on a comet and landing on earth. he He could have done anything. But our Heavenly Father, God with us, chose to humble himself and to come as a baby. Do you know how much we learn about our Heavenly Father at Christmas time? How much we're reminded about how much He really does love us? This gift of Jesus, this gift of redemption, this gift of that He would humble Himself. And He goes on, it says, He didn't regard equality with God's uh, thing to be grasped, but He emptied Himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found... In appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This God, who was with us in the garden, who was with Israel as they crossed the desert, who was with Israel as they formed as a nation, which was... uh, with them um, in the tabernacle, which is with them in the temple. This God that was with them is with us as well. This gift of Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, allows us to experience God in a different way than even then, through the power of the Spirit of God. And so what I wanted to do um, this morning is we're going to come into contact with this other gift (laughs) We have the gift of Jesus, but um, we'd be remiss if we didn't remember this morning through communion the gift that he gave us on the cross, the sacrifice for our sins. And what communion is, is it's a reminder of what God did for us, the extent that God was willing to go in order to let us have a relationship with him. He not only comes as a baby, but then he has to go through the... I I don't... Again, my mind gets blown. I don't know what God was doing in the first and second trimester, if he was just kind of floating around. I don't, I don't know how that all worked, if he was cognizant of that or not. And then, and then you have uh, birth, and then you, you have a baby, and you've got all this stuff. And he went through all that because he loves you and I. And he wanted to show God with us, Emmanuel. And as a matter of fact, he uses that in some different places in Scripture to say, do you know whatever you're going through today, whatever you, you, the thing you're going through, he understands having gone through it himself. 
If you have certain temptations, he knows he's been tempted. If you have certain pains or ailments or circumstances that don't work out the way you want them to, he understands. He had those things. I'm sure he stubbed his toe. I'm sure he had all the stuff that you and I have. I'm sure he's had situations where he was going to go somewhere and then those expectations weren't met. And just the way he handled that with his heavenly father through prayer and through knowing the scriptures. He knows. He knows. 